So when you're having a relationship with yourself, understanding that that is the same kind of relationship you're going to have with your partner. As an individual, you have to be very clear from the beginning about who you are, what you stand for, what your boundaries are, what your expectations are, what kind of life you want to live for yourself. Hi loves, welcome to the Create and Elevate Her podcast. I'm Ashley Avila, ER nurse, Enneagram 9, and mindset and self-love enthusiast. I know you're tired of feeling stuck with where you're at in life. You find yourself heartbroken or going through a life transition and just don't know where to go from here. You're wanting the guidance, motivation, mindset tools, and the self-love that you can apply in your life to be able to navigate this healing and self-growth journey. So if you're ready to learn and grow and create the life you want and elevate your best self, then girl, grab your $6 latte or fill up your glass of wine and let's dig in. Hello, hello, friend. Welcome back. On today's episode, I have Riley Molinario, who is a renowned love educator and relationship coach who empowers individuals to live fulfilling lives through her teachings on relationship intelligence. With a remarkable journey from abandonment at birth to a six-figure boss, Riley has gained recognition and has been featured on prominent platforms such as the BBC, Peanut, Medium, and Sovereign Magazine. As a respected leader in the industry, Riley provides the world with the skills and knowledge needed to cultivate thriving relationships and lives. Her signature program, The Power Couple PhD, utilizes her proven formula to guide couples to build long-lasting, thriving relationships. Because we all want that, don't we? I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did. All right, Riley, thank you so much for being here with us. I'm excited to jump into this conversation because I really do think the listener can get so much valuable information from here. I'm so excited to be here. It's such an honor. I truly love and respect the work that you do. So thank you for letting me be a part of it. Absolutely. And actually, before we get started, I just want to congratulate you. I saw your Facebook announcement on how you were recently accepted as a as an executive contributor for Brains Magazine. Congrats, girl. Yeah. Well-deserved. <laughs> thank you so much. It's, it's a really interesting topic, and I think it's quite unique, so I'm really excited to get that perspective to the audience. Would you mind just briefly sharing what exactly you'll be doing for the magazine and what Brains Magazine is? Yes, so Brains, like the name, it's, it's different thought leaderships from different backgrounds with different ideas who come together to give different perspectives on different topics, so it's a mm -hmm. sort of environment where you have all these different thought leaders contributing what it is that they have to share with the audience. So I'm particularly going to be talking about relationship intelligence, which is what we're going to be talking about today. And it's something that I'm so passionate about because, well, I'll, as I'll tell you during the interview, it's something that our society is truly missing. And I really want to be able to provide that information and that perspective. Awesome. Well, congratulations. That is amazing. So, I mean, what a good note to start off, right? I think that's amazing. And especially going into what we're going to talk about today. I think your story is one of strength and resiliency. And I think it's beautiful the way you've turned pain into purpose. Do you mind sharing with the listener that amazing journey 
that you've been on and how you became the world's first love educator. Yes. So when I was an infant, I was abandoned by my father and pretty much left to sleep in the snow. I then grew up with my mother and my stepfather in this extremely toxic and violent household. There was a lot of financial abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse. And it got to the point that at 16, I decided that I was going to leave home. I said, there has to be something better out there in the world for me. And so I left and I was able to get a job. I put myself in school. I was, you know, having everything on the outside that I was supposed to have. And I was completely miserable on the inside. So I was suffering from anxiety and depression. I had a binge eating disorder. Um, it was it was such a difficult and dark time for me because I didn't have any insight as to what was really going on. And I didn't have anyone there to support me. So it got so bad that there was a point where I decided that I was going to take my life. I said, I can't do it anymore. The, the suffering is, is too much. And I went to a hotel room. I decided that that was what I was going to do. But before making that decision, I looked at myself in the mirror and I asked myself, do I actually want to die or do I want the suffering to end? And in that moment, I realized that those were two different things, that if I could create a beautiful life for myself, then that's something that I wanted to participate in. So when I was in school, I was labeled as gifted. I was very academically advanced. And then leaving home at 16, you become very street smart. So I had the book smarts and I had the street smarts. But even with those two things, I was absolutely miserable. I was suffering. So I realized that there was another type of intelligence, which I refer to as relationship intelligence, that was even more important than those two things. When I went on my journey and I started to discover exactly what relationship intelligence was and how to have this really thriving relationship with myself, I realized along that journey that, hey, I'm not the only one. There's so many people out here suffering because of poor relationships. And it's not because they want to suffer. No one enjoys suffering, but it's simply because society sets us up for failure. You know, when people come into my community, the first thing that I ask them is, when did you learn how to love? When did you learn how to have a thriving relationship? And they'll think about it and I'll ask them, you know, did your parents sit you down and open a book and say, this is the formula for success? And they're like, well, no. <laughs> and so I ask them, did you take a class in school called relationship intelligence? And they'll say, no. So my question is, if our relationships are the foundation for our success, we now know that the quality of our life is dependent on the quality of our relationships. But how are we supposed to succeed if we don't have those tools and techniques? So it's a really, it's a really sad position to, to see people suffering as I had suffered simply because we don't have the information. So that's why I created my coaching business to fill in that gap and allow people to have thriving lives. That's amazing. That's incredible. And I think also with it's, it's important to realize too, that like you said, we didn't have any books or any manuals, right, to know how to have thriving relationships. If anything, we kind of learned from our parents and the relationship they had, right, or maybe relationships that our um, different family members had together, right? So what exactly is relationship intelligence and how do you use it to create the life you live today? 
so relationship intelligence is very similar to emotional intelligence. So we have self-awareness, self-management, relationship awareness, and relationship management. But it's in the context of how we connect with ourselves and how we connect with other people. So this can be your partner, it can be your friends, your family, and how we're able to strengthen those bonds and have healthy connections. Relationship intelligence in its essence is the ability to navigate your relationship successfully. So a lot of times when people are in romantic relationships, they get into that relationship and they think, well, now we're boyfriend and girlfriend or we're husband and wife or whatever it is. And the relationship is just going to maintain itself, not understanding that you have to create a relationship just because you live with someone, just because you share finances or you have children together. It doesn't mean you actually have a relationship. It's something that you have to build. The same with ourselves. We have to build relationships with ourselves. Unfortunately, we live in a world where we are overwhelmed with trauma, we're overwhelmed with, you know, mental health issues because of the way that society is set up. And again, we don't have those tools and techniques to know how to build ourselves up and how to build confidence and self-love, because for most of us, it's not just going to happen. Do you think from what you've seen from your previous clients, do you feel like the relationship with their self is so important in order to have thriving relationship with relationships with others? Yes. So the two closest relationships anyone will ever have is the relationship they have with their self and then the relationship they have with their partner. Obviously, the relationship you have with yourself because you are the only person in your body, in your mind, and then the relationship you have with your partner because it covers all the levels of intimacy, inclu including sexual in intimacy, which you don't have with you know children and your mom and stuff like that. So these are the two most important relationships that you have to really understand how to create. So when you're having a relationship with yourself, understanding that that is the same kind of relationship you're going to have with your partner. As an individual, you have to be very clear from the beginning about who you are, what you stand for, what your boundaries are, what your expectations are, what kind of life you wanna live for yourself. And of course that's going to take shape over time, but as you go through each stage of your life, you should be very, very clear about those things. The same thing for a romantic relationship. When you are in a relationship, a lot of times people think um, that it's sort of obvious what it is that you want and who's going to do what and what the expectations are. But you have to have those conversations, especially in modern day relationships. And you have to be clear and on the same page. So it's exactly the same thing, except one is, for yourself and the other one is you and someone else. So those two things are very closely correlated. Absolutely. I think that is so important, especially starting off with what is it that you want, right? What are your values, your core values and your needs and wants, especially when you come together with someone else, right? In that intimate relationship. Do you agree that in order to have a thriving relationship, it, there's always this kind of like constant effort to be to maintain it? Or is it once you build a foundation, does it just kind of thrive on its own? Oh, how easy would that be? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? The way that I explain it is like, if you want to have six pack abs for the rest of your life, you can't go to the gym, get six pack abs and say, well, okay, I'm done. You have to go you know, to the gym or do your exercise or whatever it is that you're doing, you have to do that on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis. So you have to continuously invest in your relationship, in all your relationships. 
So we have to understand that there are three steps to creating a thriving relationship. The first one I mentioned before, which is creating a vision, if it's the relationship with yourself, or creating a common vision, if it's a relationship with someone else. Being very clear about what are the boundaries, the expectations, the goals of the relationship. The second step is to master relationship intelligence. So it's being able to navigate whatever comes your way. It includes things like conflict resolution, effective communication, compassion, understanding. And a lot of people have heard these words before. They're very common words, but what do they actually mean? And how do we implement them on a daily basis? You know, I have clients that come to me all the time and say, I'm a great communicator, but my partner is terrible. And I say, well, if you're a great communicator, who are you communicating with? Because in order to have great communication or effective communication, it has to be a two-way street. You might be a good speaker. You may be able to hear people, but communication requires two people. So in your relationship, it's not about, I have great communication, but my partner doesn't. It's, does the couple have effective communication or do they not? And the third step is to cultivate joy. It's investing in the quality time, the amazing sex, the intimacy, the date nights, all of those things. And when couples get into relationships, a lot of times they try to skip to step three. They just wanna have the fun stuff. They wanna have the joy and the connection and the laughter, which is easy in the beginning because we go through about one year of a honeymoon stage. After this sort of excitement wears off, we have we realize that that foundation needs to be there or we're gonna kind of go in a slippery slope. So we have to be able to create that relationship in those three steps. And then we keep doing it again and again and again <laughs> throughout the relationship. So when you get into the relationship and you find that compatibility, which is that common vision, then you're able to have effective communication, problem solving skills, all of those things. You're cultivating joy. Then you start over. You have to continuously review that vision and make sure you're on the same page because a lot of times people say, well, you're not who you used to be. You know, you're not, you're not like the person that I met five years ago. Well, of course not. We're not supposed to be, right? We're constantly growing and expanding and changing. And that's a good thing if you continuously review that common vision. Oh, I love that. Continuously reviewing that common vision because we do change, right? I am not the same person I was five years ago, not even a year ago. Now with these three steps, right? Do you think then it's possible to have a thriving relationship without fighting? Not only is it possible, but it's necessary. It's 100% necessary and it's the future of relationships because we have to understand the shift that's happened in relationship. This is why relationships seem to be so complicated and difficult because we don't understand what is happening in society. So in the past, relation for, for most of our existence, the relationships that we used to have were more structured society told us what our role was so you know there was one man there was one woman you were going to get married you were going to have kids you had to buy a house you know you had to go to school all of these things and so whether you liked it or not that was sort of dictated for you and there wasn't much complaining because there weren't many other options nowadays we have more freedom than ever to choose who we want to be who we want to be in a relationship with and what kind of life we want to have which is really exciting but with that responsibility, with that freedom comes the responsibility to know what it is that we're doing. 
So we have to be very, very clear about what is going on with relationships in general. So relationships without fighting, if we really think about it, there is no value in the fighting itself. So there's a lot of people, um, if you Google it, I promise you, you're gonna find 99% of people who say fighting is good, just fight less, fight fair, learn to fight better. You know, that's sort of the story that we've been told for so long, well, it's not working. And so most people are gonna believe that that is what it's supposed to be. But in actuality, if you think about it from a critical thinking point of view, there's zero value in fighting. So fighting is the resentment, it's the criticism, it's the defensiveness, it's the anger, the sadness, the frustration, all of those negative things. It's when you struggle to, to intend to solve a problem. But along the way, you're actually doing a disservice to yourself, to your partner, and to the relationship. Every time you fight in your relationship, you're sort of chipping away at the foundation and you're weakening the bond between the two of you. So what you can do instead is you can have a problem-solving technique. So the technique that I've created that sort of simplifies the problem-solving process is called the power couple technique. So it's a seven-step technique where couples can have a problem. They can go through seven steps, finding a solution that works for both of them, but with compassion, with understanding, with active listening, with all of that good stuff. You know, problems are a part of life. We just have to get with the program. You know, we have to accept that they just are. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how beautiful you are. Everyone has problems. And so once we accept that that's just what it is, you know, it's sort of like a lion is going to eat a gazelle. If you saw that, you might think, oh, well, that's sad, but you're not going to, you know, get completely out of your seat because of it, because it's nature. And so are problems. Problems are a part of nature. So when we're in a relationship, we have to accept that you're going to have problems you're going to have to problem solve and you wanna see them more as puzzles rather than these you know, catastrophic events. They're puzzles and they're mysteries. You can even use them as sort of games between the two of you of, okay, how do we solve this? How do we get through this? And when you understand how to do that with each other you know, side by side, rather than me versus my partner, the two of you learn partnership and you start to work together and you start to have skills as a power couple and you start to go through life enjoying cultivating that joy and then poof, a problem happens and you say, okay, you know, <clears throat> it's a part of life. And then you go through the steps and you work through that problem. You get on the other side and you go back to cultivating more joy. I think it's also important to to mention that this will take time and practice. A, a couple won't uh, get all these seven steps in the first try, right? <laughs> it's going to take time. It's going to take repetition. And, you know, especially if both are on the same page as far as wanting to problem solve. Um, but I think it's it's really interesting. Problem solving, active listening, conflict resolution. These are terms that I, you know, growing up didn't know about, right? I didn't know, I was never taught this. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners out there were never actually taught these things. What would you say for someone who, who is, you know, they know that the relationship is struggling, right? And they're going through some bumpy roads but their partner's on, not on the same page as far as wanting to problem solve. Have you come across that situation? All the time, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> you know, being a coach that works with couples, I often get one person who's really eager to work on the relationship 
they listen to me on a podcast or they've read some of my work and they say, yes, I'm excited. I want to be a power couple. I want to have this thriving relationship. And their partner is kind of like, mm, I don't know. I don't want to. They're sort of settled in their way. And what we really need to think about is what kind of relationship do we want to have? Let's put our partner to the side for a second. Let's think as an individual, what do we want for our life? So going back to that vision, what is it that I want for myself? And what kind of life do I want to live? And if you say to yourself, I want to live a thriving life, I want to have a relationship that's full of love and joy and connectiveness, that communication, that safety, that trust, that is what I want. You are going in the right direction. But the moment you say that is what I need, that is who I am, you own that, you will find a way to get that. And again, when we're talking about compatibility, a lot of times people think, well, we both like rock music and we both play tennis, you know, so we're compatible. Compatibility is really deeper than that. It means that you and your partner have the same values. And if I value honesty and trust and compassion, then I need to have a partner who's on the same page. So if you find yourself in a situation where your partner's not willing to do the work, you have to ask yourself, is this the partner for me? Now, sometimes your partner is willing to do the work, but they may not be, they may not be willing to do it in the way that you want them to. So let's say you want to go to therapy, your partner doesn't want to go to therapy. My question to them would be, do you want the ultimate goal that I want? And if so, maybe we just have to brainstorm using that brainstorming, that compromising to find a way. So maybe it's going to therapy, maybe it's finding a coach, maybe it's taking a course, maybe it's going on a couple's retreat. You know, it doesn't have to be one way, but we do have to make sure that we at least want the same thing in the end. Mm, I love that. And I'm thinking about the listeners out there who could possibly be in that situation and really starting with yourself, right? With the relationship with yourself and what is your goal as well? And really feeling that sense of, empowerment, right? To, to move forward and problem solve with your partner and, and trying to meet in the middle. Um, I think this is a good turning point as well, as far as with self-empowerment, what does self-empowerment mean to you? Self-empowerment to me is mastering the two first parts of relationship intelligence. So it's managing who you are and being able to put that into practice on a daily basis. So a lot of times, you know, I'm sure you've heard you're your own worst enemy. And that is true because no one can change our life. No one can dictate what happens except for us. We have that power within us. So a lot of times when we feel disempowered, it's because we believe that the outside world has that control over us. You know, I thought that for a long time. I'm depressed because my father abandoned me. I'm you know, I have anxiety because I went through this trauma. I have this disorder because of that happened to me. And I had to recognize, hold on a second, I'm not in that environment anymore. First of all, you know, now I'm an adult. <laughs> and second of all, I might not be able to control what happens to me, but I have 100% control of how I respond. So I can continuously have peace and calm and power within my own mind and within my own body. So I might not be able to control the person who cuts me off in traffic, but whether I curse at them or I stay peaceful, that is within my power. So once we understand 
how to use this power, we start to make decisions that ultimately change our life. So our life is dependent on our decisions and our decisions are dependent on our emotions and our emotions are dependent on our mind. So everything starts in the mind. And the only person who's in there is you. I can't jump in there. You know, you can't jump in mine, but you have 100% control. Nowadays, it's, you know, it's overwhelming how difficult people find this because we have so many distractions. We have so many um, things to do. Our mind is really busy. We often don't stay present within our body and, and, you know, in the moment. We're constantly, from the time we wake up to the time we go to bed, we're worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. We're regretting what happened yesterday. We're so upset and we're so, you know, just we're, we're fighting reality. And the only place that reality exists is in this moment right now. And I can control what happens at least in my mind. You know, even if someone kidnaps me, I still can control my mind. So having that power in your mind of what does this mean? Who am I? Where am I going? What do I want? We have control over all of that. So that is called the self-awareness. The self-management is what am I going to do because I want these things, because I am this person, you know, a quick example is I have never had road rage. I, I didn't drive for too long, to be honest, but when I did, I didn't have road rage. I never had road rage. And I understand why people get it. I think every person that I've been in a car with has had some form of road rage, you know, and people can drive crazy. I do understand it. But I remember when my husband first got, you know, I saw him uh, shouting at people, you know, and I would laugh at him and say, you know, sweetie, the only person that can hear you is me because, you know, the other person's already gone. I'm like, you're only yelling at me right now. Um, but again, it's a good example to realize that you can't control other people. You can't control a pandemic. You can't control, you know, someone passing away in your family. We can't control those things. So let's focus on what we can control. I can control my thoughts. I can control what things mean to me. I can control who I am and I can control how I respond. That is the ultimate level of self-empowerment. Absolutely. I think it all starts with your mindset. And I think when you look in the mirror, right, it's like you can be your best friend or your own worst enemy. When we think about our beliefs as well, whether that's with relationships, like this is the way relationships should be. I, you know, there should be fighting because that's normal or, or this is all that's out there for me. Whatever belief you have, it's also asking yourself, is this really my belief or was, was this belief kind of accept it from maybe your parents or family members and really tuning into yourself and trying to shut out everything else. Just like you mentioned, what do I want? And having that power, like you said, to say, okay, what are the things that I can control? What can I do today? With that, you yourself, with your story, you took that power within you and created this life from abandonment, like you mentioned, to creating this six-figure business um, and traveling the world by mastering relationship intelligence. Could you talk a little more about that and how you specifically help couples? It's been a very long journey. And, <laughs> you know, when you're in it, you're thinking this is terrible, this is horrible, especially when you're suffering from anxiety and depression. It is a very, very dark place to be. But 
when I realized that I didn't want to take my life, I said, okay, it's all or nothing. You know what? I have to go big or go home. And so I didn't know where to start, but I knew that I had to change my mindset because that was the most important thing that was holding me down. I didn't know what it was called back then. I don't think we really use the term, although it's really popular now. Um, but I knew I had to rewrite that tape. And so when this was happening, this was like when YouTube just came out, we didn't have TikTok and Instagram and things like that. And so I was watching videos from Les Brown and Tony Robbins. I became obsessed with them. I think especially because I didn't have that father figure in my life, that, that role model of someone, even my mother, saying positive things to me, you know, encouraging me and lifting me up. So I didn't hear it from the outside world. And so I definitely wasn't able to repeat it to myself. I was telling myself all the things that I heard. I was never going to be good enough. My life was always going to be, you know, what it was. And so I had to rewrite that tape by listening to these motivational videos that allowed me to repeat that back to myself and recognize, oh, okay, my mind isn't always telling me the truth. And that's really when I understood that the mind isn't reality. The mind is a little bit of reality and a little bit of fantasy and a little bit of fear and a little bit of excitement. It's sort of all of these things mixed up. And so going on that journey, I was able to really play with my mind and understand what was true and what was fear, because anxiety is basically another form of fear. So that journey for me was, was a beautiful one. And it took many years of trying a little bit of everything. I did yoga. I, you know, meditate every morning. I really tried to find what would work for me, what made me feel connected and feel alive. And it was a process that took over 10 years to complete, you know, and it's never going to be complete. It's an ongoing process, but to get to the point where I feel really empowered as I am today, it took me about 10 years to go through that. A lot of that was because I didn't have the resources that we have now, like these podcasts and coaches and all of these wonderful things. So for me, when I went through this journey, I said, I'm not the only one. There's so many people suffering. And I saw even people in my family who grew up with, in the same environment that I grew up in, I saw that they didn't get out of that mindset. And I did. And I said, I have to help the world because some people just, they will not have that access. They will not have that breaking point. I have to help them. So I started on this journey of creating my coaching business. I now help individuals and couples and businesses understand the power of these relationships and understand most of all that they don't know what they don't know. That is the, that is the key to all of this. Understanding that you haven't been taught, you're suffering not because it's your fault, but because society has set you up for failure. But I say it's not your fault, but it is absolutely your responsibility because no one's going to do it for you. Absolutely. That is amazing, Riley. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge today with the listeners. I think that relationships are so important relationship with ourselves, relationship, intimate relationships, right? Relationships at work. It's everywhere, right? And I think that you brought a lot of value today for the listeners. How can they find you or work I, with you, connect with you? Yes, I am on Instagram and Facebook. It's Riley Molinario. If you can spell my name, you can find me. 
And then I run a continuous contest on my website, rileymolinario.com. So if anyone wants to enter to win one free month of relationship coaching, you just go on the website, pop your email into that pop-up window and you will be entered to win. Amazing. I'm going to enter. <laughs> I'm like, I will do that. And I will include all the information for my girls out there um, under the show notes. So don't worry. Um, but thank you so much, Riley, again, for sharing your story today and just being vulnerable today as well with, with that story. I think it's beautiful. I'm so grateful that you are here today sharing your gifts with the world. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen in. If this podcast episode inspired you, taught you something, or moved the needle for you in your growth journey, then please share it with a girlfriend. Leave a review or screenshot the episode and share it on Instagram and tag me at it's Ashley Avila underscore. I would forever be grateful for you guys and I can't wait to hear from you. You can also join the free Facebook community, Create and Elevate Her. Until next time, friends. And remember, it's a good day to have a good day.